0: Walking sports as they report back and forth from their home court. They talk the sports if you're not sure. They talk of sports and then talk more about all sports. East West South North Ryan. Talk sports. Andrew retorts and chort will here as they both sort through all the sports. They both support the walk-ons. What's up everyone? Welcome to the Walk-Ons podcast. It is Thursday, May 20th, 2021, and we've got another stack show for you guys. We went one legend last week with Pete Rose. We've got another legend coming up this week. It's Roy Firestone, a seven time Emmy award winning sports journalist. He's going to be joining us later. So definitely stick around for that. He's got some great stuff to talk about. Some awesome stories about some great, great athletes. And he's also got some really cool stuff that he's helping out, uh, the West Coast Labrador retriever rescue out there in LA too. So anything we can do to help the puppies. I am all about that, but we'll get into that later. First things first, Andrew Schuster is with me as always. Andrew, what's up, buddy?
1: Not much. I mean, we're just uh, kind of reeling over the game last night. I mean, you know, I, LeBron got poked in the eye, and you know, it's, it looked like he got hit in the face with an by an MMA fighter. And I, I feel for him, man. He yeah, spare
0: me. Yeah, close like
1: to death, close the death.
0: Be. Oh, I got hit in the chin where the replay showed that he didn't even get hit in the chin. I, I'm getting real sick of the flopping. But look. Let's think big picture here right Andrew there's been a lot of talk certainly LeBron has made his thoughts known about the play in and thinking somebody needs to get fired. A lot of people weren't quite sure what it was going to be if it was going to be a hit (laughs) that first game that came out yesterday Pacers and Hornets it was awful from the tip and that looked really really bad for the NBA and everybody else. Thank goodness the last three games that followed were all awesome incredible games. Let's first go to last night's game, though. I think that's the one that's fresh in everybody's minds, certainly in my own. That one broke my heart. Uh, I DVR'd it last night because I couldn't watch it, so I watched it about 6 a.m. this morning, and uh, that really just set the tone for my whole day as a Warriors fan, which is tough. But what do you make of this game? And not only just – okay, two questions. What do you make of the play And Do you think it was actually a success? I mean, it's still going on today. We've still got the last two, eight, nine games. Is it, is it a success? And then two – what was your favorite game from the week from these out of these four?
1: I mean, I think it was a success in the, in the pure, like the fact that the NBA got ratings and that's what they care about, but it, it is a, it's not a, not a, not a, not a success, but I do think we're headed more towards more games like Charlotte, Indiana than we are with golden state LA. And so it's hard to sit here and say, wow, if we're going to get a game like LA golden state every year, this is great. That's probably not going to be the case. And so that's why I'm kind of like, it was a success but we kind of have to you know take for granted that that's not like probably a, a you know once in a decade type uh, experience
0: it was um, like an office space take not not a not a, not not going to work here anymore
1: <laughs> but yeah
0: listen i think i think it was a success for what it is yeah who knows if it has long term legs we'll see but you know with that game last night lakers warriors it was awesome it's such a treat to see curry balling out i mean the lakers were awful in the first half Then it kind of flipped the script. They played great defense. The Warriors just could not stop turning the ball over. LeBron hits that amazing shot, which, you know, without it, who knows where we'd be, but I think the narrative is completely different. I mean, that shot basically saved the day for the Lakers, but here they are now, the seventh seed. They're going to go play the Suns. I think they're in big trouble. I mean, if you see anything related to that first half with LeBron and AD, I mean, those guys were terrible. LeBron had no bounce. He couldn't make layups. He couldn't even post up. You know, Andrew Wiggins or some of the guards. It, it was it was kind of jarring to see LeBron almost move. You know, show his age a little bit. I guess.
1: Yeah, they looked like the seven seed. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, there's there's still the the thought of oh Phoenix is so inexperienced that it's. it's I'm not going to sit here and say so. Like, it's set in stone. Phoenix is winning. But when you watch that game, you're like Phoenix is going to win. They're going to win that series. But ESPN or whoever else is still going to say the Lakers are the favorite because it's the Lakers and it's going to get them, you know, all the clicks, but yeah, you watch that game and you're like, there's a reason they're in the play-in.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Right. I mean, from a, just from an eyeball test standpoint, yeah, the Suns are a better team than the Lakers are right now. Um, You know, I hate to kind of invoke the, you know, the NBA sort of conspiracy theorists, but you know, it does seem like the NBA has got a little bit of, of Laker, leaning um and I think that could be a definitely they've it, it, got a bit of an agenda and they always have they, the the big markets the big stars they want to lean towards that and you can call the officiating or whatever you gotta you still gotta get on the court and play but I do worry about you know a little bit of uh agenda there for the Lakers with Phoenix because certainly the NBA folks anybody who's who's a stakeholder there they're gonna want to see the Lakers progress further than the Suns that's for sure
1: definitely I mean we'll just have to see I mean There's, I think there's just as still a likelihood that the Lakers are like in the finals as it is they lose in the first round, just because they do have those two great players and they've done it before. And I mean, we can sit here and say they looked bad, but it's, we know why they haven't really played together this year. And they had the short off season. They've had the, the truncated regular season. They've been hurt. We get it, but it doesn't change the fact that right now they do look weak and vulnerable. And I don't know why the Clippers are trying to tank. I'll just say that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm not even going to get into that. And, you know, certainly we could take a look at, you know, some of the matchups and pick winners, but with the first round, it, it's kind of exhausting. But one thing I do want to talk about, if we shift to the East, so the Knicks, they've already sold out games one and two. Seems like the the fans are coming back. It's going to be the largest indoor event in the last 12 to 14 months for New York. What do you make of just, I guess the Eastern conference in general, um, you know, Brad Stevens came out, and it was actually pretty candid after they beat the Wizards, basically saying, you know, as a fan, uh, it's going to be very tough to beat the Nets. We're going to have to be perfect. Um, From that standpoint, you know, Knicks, Celtics, um, you know, kind of just Eastern Conference in general. I'm, I'm mostly just rambling. But what, what do you make of sort of how the East is shaking out some of those matchups? I mean, I guess let, let's talk about the Knicks because screw it. Why not? It's our podcast. We can do whatever you want. Do you do you like? Uh, the Knicks team to maybe you know make it into the second round or maybe even further
1: I do like them to make it in the second round but that's not me sitting here saying oh I think they're one of the top eight teams in the NBA it's because of the matchup I mean the, the Hawks are just as green as they are and as good as Trey Young is as a scorer he has not done playoff defenses yet and I just don't you know when they have home court advantage in New York there's nothing like playing in Madison Square Garden even with not as many fans And they're they're a defensive team and that does well in the playoffs. I I do like them to win that series. And the New York fans are gonna sit there and be like, wow, we're one step away from being contenders. It's not that we can, you know, both can be true. Like you're not a contender, but you're probably gonna win your series. And I think the Knicks, though, have established that in the future, free agents and you know, potential disgruntled superstars can now look to them viably as opposed to even a year ago. That wasn't even a thought. In their minds.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, right? Because yeah, Atlanta plays really no defense. I do think the Knicks have a really good shot to, to kind of make it out of that series at least. But has New York truly kind of flipped the script here, right? I mean, New York as a market is pretty much where every athlete wants to be, right? The, the bright lights of New York City, either New York or LA, New York for quite a long time. I mean, it was the, it was the James Dolan show it was a freaking clown show there and nobody wanted to go play there. I mean, does this regardless of what happens in the playoffs does this season sort of mark a success for the Knicks and does it make it now a free agent destination a premium free agent destination
1: Well, it's definitely a success I mean they even if they went and got swept it's already a success no one no one thought they were going to be a playoff team even the most diehard Knicks fan wasn't running around saying we're going to make the playoffs it was they're playing with house money at this point and the fact that I just picked them to win makes it even more of a success who would have thought that they could potentially be in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Nobody. Spike Lee is, is going to be chilling, even if they lose each game by 100 points this, this playoffs.
0: Yeah, Spike Lee, long-suffering Spike Lee, that poor guy.
1: Well, look, let's kind of put a bow on the on
0: this sort of wrap-up for the playoffs. Who Who do you like on these last two playing games? Who are the last two teams to get in from the East and the West?
1: Uh, I mean, I was not even thinking the Pacers had a chance, but then they went out and beat Charlotte by a thousand points. But again, that might just be it's Charlotte. Um, I still think the Wizards are a more intriguing playoff team. I'd love to see, you know, the the Russell Westbrook playing um, against Philly and just kind of, you know, seeing that, you know, you want star potential in there. And then you'd like to think that the Warriors will repeat what just happened last weekend, beating Memphis in Golden State. And, you know, we we want to see Steph Curry in the playoffs as much as the Grizzlies are fun and, Jaws exciting. We want to see Steph Curry against the Jazz. So those are the two teams I'm going to pick.
0: Yeah, certainly the last game of the season for the uh, the Dubs. They, they they did beat the Grizzlies. I'm a little bit worried to have to go after that that huge letdown against the Lakers and go go play. At least they're at home. I certainly hope the Dubs get by. I, I'll I'll take them. And I I agree with you. I think Washington, the star power. I I would like to see them do it. I think they they have enough. I mean, it's weird. I was looking at at, at the lineups for. Indiana I mean they're basically missing three of their best five players and they wax Charlotte which isn't you know maybe much to do about nothing but I think they you know going up against Russell Westbrook and the like and Bradley Beal who is hobbled he certainly is but um I think Washington's a better team so I'd like to see them and so I'll I'll take dubs Washington as well but we've got Roy Firestone coming up next so let's jump over to our interview our guest here today is an absolute legend. He's a seven-time Emmy Award-winning sports journalist. The man has spoken to just about everybody in the world of sports, widely considered one of the best interviews out there, period. There is no debate about that. Please follow him on Twitter, at Roy Firestone. You can also check out his podcast, Roy Firestone Podcast. He's got a children's book coming out, too, called Kobe and a Boy Named Roy. It is, of course, the one and only Roy Firestone. How are
2: you, Roy? Hey, guys. Great to be on the walk-ons. How are you guys doing today?
0: doing fantastic now that you're here sir this is this is awesome we're very much looking forward to this so I want to get right into it really sure. kind of, one of the big topics of the day the Lakers big playing victory last night over if you can see my shirt over my my beloved Warriors yeah. Yeah. now you have a storied history with the organization obviously local CBS sports anchor from 77 to 85 you've interviewed all the greats um what sort of your take you know we said we mentioned this early in the podcast too Roy you know it was a victory right and LeBron hit a huge shot but between LeBron and AD, I mean, I'm a little concerned about that. There wasn't a lot of pep in that step last night, even though they got the win. What's sort of your take? Well, I
2: think I think LeBron, as we speak, and I don't know when this is going to air, but when we speak, um, LeBron had his worst first half as a Laker, yep. and the second half was a whole different story. He just took over. Uh, Davis was less than thrilling, too, in the first half, and he started c- catching on in the second half. I think what happened was the defense is what happened for the Lakers the Lakers started playing some real defense, made some steals. Um, the Warriors made a lot of errors uh, when passing the ball. And when it came down to the shot after being poked in the eye by Draymond Green uh LeBron hit that shot and it was it wasn't like a desperation shot. It looked like he he was on it. And he later said that he picked the middle of his uh, triple vision because he had been poked in the eye. He picked the middle basket and it went in. I mean, listen, you're talking about on that court, as we speak last night, between the Lakers and the Warriors, we saw two of the greatest players of their generation, of this generation. Not unlike it was in my generation with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson or in another person's generation, Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. Those are the two best players, in and now. you could argue, uh, maybe Gianna, maybe a lot of people, maybe you could say, but the truth is, when the Hall of Fame comes calling, and these are two first ballot players, and I believe that LeBron will eventually be the all-time leading scorer in basketball, pro basketball, he's going to pass Jordan, yes, he had, he, you know, he'd have to go play in college, but it is what it is he's good. He's what 3,000 points away. He, if he stays healthy, he should do it. But back to the game, um, I think it showed, in, in answer to your question, a vulnerability that this team is not 100% sound. I don't think LeBron is still sound. He, he got banged around again. He went down a few times last night. It's a long-ass season, man, in the postseason. And I, I don't know if they're they're sturdy enough. They've had their injuries. Davis has been injured, too. But if they are 85% ready to go, they can go deep into the playoffs. I just think the difference between this season and last season, what was a truncated shorter season anyway, is there are better teams this year than there were last year. Brooklyn is better. Phoenix is better. The Clippers are arguably as good or better. Uh, you got Denver, a better team. There's probably six, seven, and we didn't mention Milwaukee either. So I think, I think you're looking at much better competition and a much tougher, more grueling series. And I don't know that the Lakers will have enough unless they somehow find youth in those legs. And they've been battered around a lot. You know, there's a lot of wear and tear on LeBron's body. Uh, but at 36, 37, um, he he's got, he's ready to go again, but I, I just don't know if they have enough.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's no guarantee, especially with Phoenix is so inexperienced, but they have Chris Paul and you just, you know they're they're healthy, but you know, so it's no guarantee. They won the title this year, but speaking of a, a Laker who won many titles and solidified himself as one of the greats is Kobe. And obviously you had a really close relationship with Kobe, who was just inducted into the hall of fame. And I'm sure you were watching and, and, you know, saw that moving speech by Vanessa, but, can you talk a little bit about what he meant to you? And you, know, you met him shortly after he was drafted at just 18 years old. I mean, it, yeah. that's, a, that's a long relationship.
2: That, that's right, Andrew. I, I, in fact, I'll tell you a quick story. The first interview I did when he was 18 was the first interview he was in Los Angeles. The first time he came to Los Angeles, um, and he, we were, we, it was before the Lakers even had a, re, a, a practice facility finished. So they, they, they trained at Loyola Marymount uh, College. And he came into the room and he was wearing a suit that didn't fit him particularly well, like, like a kid from high school, which is what he was, uh, trying to wear a suit, like, a, like an adult suit that kind of didn't fit him properly. He starts to sit down, and it starts to rain outside, and then it starts raining harder and harder. And then all of a sudden, lightning hit the building. And lightning hit the building, knocked our lights out, our camera out, all the electricity out. And my crew told me it'll take two hours to reestablish it, Ask Kobe Bryant if he'll come back after two hours. So I asked him, he says, well, I'm not coming back. I went, oh God, here we go. Right off the bat, I got an 18 year old prima donna. He says, I'm staying. He stayed with us for two hours while we got that that stuff repaired. And what did he talk about? He spoke to us in Italian. He spoke about the, the, the world soccer leagues and the, the, the great teams in Italy. He talked about his favorite Italian soccer players, his favorite Italian foods. He spoke to us in Italian, of course, as people know, he lived in Italy as a young kid. I was so amazed at this kid's wisdom at 18 years old. And it's then, then he did something else. He started asking me about how I got my job and how the lights work and the, the camera works and the editing work. He was curious even at age 18, and I'll never forget how that experience really uh, impressed me because for ev- I interviewed about six, seven other times, and every time I would see him, he'd say, is it raining outside? You know, like funny, and uh, the, 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 the incredible thing about Kobe Bryant was his attention to detail. If you guys listen to his speaking voice, his speaking voice, even on old tapes, And listen to Michael Jordan's voice. It's like an impression of Michael Jordan. He's got that very deep voice because he, I said, is that by accident? He goes, Roy, I watched every piece of video, both speaking and playing that Michael Jordan ever had out there. I was a a fiend for Michael Jordan. Um, I wanted to be him. And I believe he kind of morphed into a kind of Michael Jordan player. you know, obviously the tragedy of being what it is, it, it struck him down. We don't know what his life would have been like much, much like longer. We do know that he would have been a supporter of women athletics. I think Gigi would have probably gone to UConn. I think he might've been a, a WNBA owner. I think ultimately he might've been a part Laker owner, but we'll never know. I, I I was talking to somebody the other day about if you love something so much, would you give up part of your life? to achieve what you love. I guess, in other words, uh, President Kennedy was murdered when he was president, but he also did so many fantastic things uh, in politics and in governing. Of course, he wants to see his family grow up and his wife as Kobe did too. But I wondered if, 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 if I could hypothetically ask Kobe, if you couldn't have won those titles, if you couldn't have played basketball, would you have wanted to be, you know, you know, working at a, at a shoe store, but you get to see your wife and kids. I know the answer would, yes, I'd rather be with my wife and kids, but I think there might have been a slight hesitation. That's how much he loved the sport. And the reason I say that is had he not been a famous basketball player, he wouldn't have been riding that motorcycle, excuse me, that helicopter, I should say, and fate wouldn't have dealt him the cruelest of blows and other people too, by the way. But I think he loved it so, I think Kobe loved loved basketball as much as anything else in his life, except his family. And um, it's just so tragic that we we now have to see him in that very interview that I talked about. He says, "My dream is to become a Hall of Famer, and win a bunch of titles." Well,
1: obviously, that's all came true. Yeah, and you just you know released a children's book, Kobe and the Boy Named Roy. Do you want to tell us about that? I'm sure he has sure. you know quite a lot of influence in that as well. Sure.
2: Um, well. When Kobe was killed on uh, January twenty sixth of 2020, uh, I was pretty devastated. But uh, believe me, I'm far from the only one. You know, millions of people were devastated. But I I had my personal relationship with him, and it was really shattering. But only a couple weeks later, COVID hit, and everything got shut down. And I had lost my Labrador Retriever uh, eight years before. It was very devastating for me, and I swore I would never get another dog. I couldn't deal with the pain of that. But when all this stuff started happening, Kobe losing Kobe, and then uh, then COVID, and I can't go out. Nobody could go out. I decided I'm going to take a shot and rescue a dog. And I went to a place called West Coast Labrador Retriever Rescue, and I picked out this dog, who is by the way sitting next to me as we speak. You you folks are this is an audio show. People can't see it, but uh, I don't know Uh, if I could. Yeah, I don't know Uh, if you can. Can you see him? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, I I rescued this dog and they brought him to my house and he was 35 pounds overweight. I mean, he's really a fat dog. And I didn't know if I wanted to have him, but we walk every day, almost 10 miles every day. And it's sort of like a Kobe Bryant kind of uh, ethic, work ethic. He's lost all the weight. He's very athletic now. And if Kobe were alive, I think he'd get a kick out of the story. Um, And I think he would love this Kobe too. So I've decided to write a children's book. It's not really me, but it's the story of a little boy and his dog and he loses his dog. And how does he find his dog again? All the animals help him find the dog. And it's been only been out a little little while and we've raised over $4,000 for the West Coast Labrador Retriever Rescue. For the folks who are listening, uh, you can buy the book and I'll sign it for you if you'd like for maybe you have a little brother or someone in your family is small. It's for basically three-year-olds to about eight-year-olds or seven-year-olds. But if you go to my website, RoyFiresnow.com, and you order it, I will sign it for you. And my other, I have all the four other books. But it's been a big surprise to me, guys, because this book has brought a lot of joy and a lot of happiness for people who love to rescue dogs. And I felt like it was something I could do that would be positive. And it's been beyond my wildest dreams, man. It's just been an unbelievable. i went on national TV with this dog twice. Um, We were on Discovery. I mean, we're at the Animal Planet. We were on Home Show. And he's like this little celebrity. I think Kobe Kobe Bryant would have approved. I think he he loved dogs. I think he would have gotten a kick out of it. And uh, it's just so sad that uh, he's not here to acknowledge it. But he did make the Hall of Fame this past weekend. We're super proud of him. We're super uh, glad that we got to know him and be around him and work with him. I'll tell you one other quick story about Kobe Bryant because I know you guys want to talk a little bit basketball. One of the other interviews I did, uh, we we're, we're set up in Memphis. Uh, they were playing the Grizzlies on a Saturday night and we were set up on a Friday night for an eight o'clock shoot. And co- there's eight o'clock comes around in the hotel and there's no Kobe, 8.30, no Kobe, nine, no Kobe. So I'm thinking he's blowing me off, you know which is kind of disappointing. He wasn't blowing me off, he was next door at the pyramid, that's where the, the Grizzlers, Grizzlies play, he said he took a thousand jump shots by himself in the gym the night before a game. In other words, it wasn't even a game that night. He was just just work. He came in, his, in, in sweats, dripping with sweat. I said, you need to change. You're going to do the interview. So he did. But it just shows you the kind of incredible work ethic he had. You may have, may or may not know the story that at the, the year he missed that Airball against the Jazz in the playoffs his rookie year, when he got arrived in Los Angeles off that plane. The first thing he did when he got off the plane is he told his assistants, "No, I want to. I want to go to a gym. I want tonight, right now, at midnight." And he went to um, uh, let's see, Pacific Pali High, Pacific Palisades High School. They opened the gym at midnight for him, and he shot for three hours after a game from in Utah. It just shows you what kind of an athlete he was, what kind of ethic he had, and what kind of determination he had to be the very, very best.
0: Absolutely right. Well, that's that's awesome stuff about Kobe. Also, you know, we on this podcast we are huge dog lovers across the board. So the stuff you're doing for West Coast Laboratory Retriever Rescue is amazing. So we'll definitely be plugging that to our listeners. Go to royfirestone.com, get yourself a copy of that book. You're going to definitely want that. That is awesome, Roy. But I want to kind of point to something. So certainly Kobe. You know, from a comp- from a competitor standpoint, from an interviewee e standpoint, you know, there's really nobody like him. He's unique. He he's one of the best. He's thoughtful. He's smart. He just you know, he's a competitor, right? But in terms of your sort of background, and I, I want to just touch on uh, a recent show that you did on your podcast where you had Joe Montana on. And you know, I I'm a Bay Area native, grew up just loving Joe Montana. I had the 16 jersey as a kid growing up, but he gave you some awesome nuggets i mean about the catch 1981 some you know back and forth with the cowboys and he he even got him to talk about concussions but you know if you haven't seen that that podcast definitely check it out it is one of the best interviews i've ever heard but
2: thank you i appreciate that Ryan.
0: yeah absolutely i i I mean that sincerely it's amazing Mm -hmm. but from a broader standpoint i mean what you've gotten some of the most legendary athletes of all time to talk about stuff that they wouldn't talk about really anywhere else. So, I'm just curious, what's your process? How do you kind of coax that out of of different people and you know, these these legends who really, you know, are kind of, you know, they they keep things close to the vest, but then they get in front of you and it, it just kind of all comes out. It's it's awesome to watch.
2: Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. That's very very generous of you to say. We I did, I did 12 podcasts last year. Um, I'm going to I'm going to take a pause on it for now because for a bunch of reasons, but you know, we had an amazing interview with Bob Costas talking about his father, who was a gambler-holic and a rage and how, tra- how traumatic it was in his life. He'd never talked about it. answer answered your question. I've always been interested, not so much in the, in the, in the balls and strikes, so to speak, uh, or the, or the, how many points and how many assists. I was always interested in the story of the person, how they got there, or once they got there, what was unusual to them and, whether it was Bob Costas or Bill Walton or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or uh, I interviewed Billy Crystal in that series about Muhammad Ali. I always tried to ask questions that I was interested in that went beyond that, the obvious. And I always felt that getting into the human heart was part of it and finding some, some one, astonishing thing about their life or their times and focus in on that. I mean, Listen, I am not a sports expert. I've never claimed I was, but I do think I have a sense of, if, 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 to sound corny, maybe a little bit of a PhD in people. I like people I'm interested in their stories and their evolution and how they got to where they they got, and the road to get there is fascinating to me. So, you know, w- with, with Joe and, and, and I also interviewed George Foreman, the boxer about all his incredible experiences in his career. I think podcasts actually a very good format for me because you can stretch out. But when I did the talk show at ESPN for really parts of three, four different decades, over the course of four decades, um, I was limited by how much time I had. So I was really much more interested in talking about stuff that no one else is talking about. Uh, I interviewed Vin Scully one time about his childhood friend named Larry Miggins. And I knew this, uh, they were 15 years old or 14 years old. And Larry Megan's was a, was a ambitious young athlete, wanted to play baseball and Vin wanted to be an announcer. And they were like 12, 14, 15 years old, something like that. And Larry Megan's told Vin Scully as a teenager, one of these days, I'm going to be a baseball player and you'll be an announcer and you'll call a home run of mine. Sure enough, fast forward about 20 years later, Larry Miggins makes it to the major leagues on the Cardinals, the Brooklyn, Dod- Brooklyn Dodgers are playing the Cardinals. And Vin Scully is a young announcer. Larry Miggins walks up to the plate and hits a home run. And Vin Scully said, that was the most emotional I ever got in any broadcast I ever did. And I thought that was such a fascinating, revealing story about Vin that went beyond, oh, what was your favorite game that you call, you know, I think, I've always been curious, but I'm curious about stuff that's a, a, off the beaten path, so to speak. And if I could get there and I can entertain my audiences with stories, I'm actually working on a series called Unlikely Stories. And it's going to be like two minutes. It's going to be almost like a, 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 a if not an app exactly, but but kind of downloadable stuff where you get little stories every day, two minutes, so it doesn't waste your, too much of your time. And I did a story about um, I'll, I'll tell you this, and you you'll know where I'm going because you guys are sports fans. I was a young athlete out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee who wanted to be a professional bowler and was voted the, the bowler of the state of Tennessee at 15 or 16 years old. And he competed and he really, really wanted to be a bowler, but his mother wanted him to play baseball. So he started to play baseball in high school. And he got a little bit better at. He had very good hand-eye coordination as a bowler. He he obviously showed that. And one thing led to another. Uh, he 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 goes through the through through the minors and he has an unbelievable career. Then he goes in one season to be to to be this the silver slugger hitter, the best hitter of the American League. that the same year he wins the MVP. The same year he wins goes to the World Series. Well, I guess I'm giving it away who it is. Well this guy never let go of his dream to be a bowler and he competed not just in the world series of baseball that year but the world series of bowling and he scored a 300 perfect game in bowling and his name of course is Mookie Betts but what people may not know about this story is that his initials are MLB his real name is Marcus Lynn Betts, and his mother was favorite player was Mookie Blaylock of the Atlanta Hawks. She nicknamed him Mookie, but his she said, my son's gonna play baseball because his initials will be MLB. And that's a true story and that's an unlikely story. But that's one of the stories that I'm telling. And it's not some of them are on YouTube already, unlikely stories, Roy Firestone. I'm doing them in show business, sports, whatever. We also keep them short so people don't get bored with the short attention spans we have these days. And that's one of the projects that I'm working on right now.
1: Well, that's awesome. And Yeah, no, it's What's great is, is you know, um, you, you get so many unlikely stories, as you just said, from from legends. And, and one of those people uh, may not be in your series, but is definitely a legend. He's come up in the news this week is Marv Albert because he's announced his oh, yeah. retirement. And yes. So obviously, yes, I, 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 yeah, well, <laughs> broadcasting, you know what I mean? You know what I'm going with. Uh, but two sure. questions. One, I'd love to hear if you have any great behind the scenes moments or stories okay. with Marv and the two I hear you, you might do an impression of him.
2: Well, first of all, let's start with the first question. Uh, I go back with Marv, I guess, almost 40 years. You know, you have to understand, Marv Albert started broadcasting. This not quite as long as Vin Scully, but he was in New York sports uh, with the Knicks and then the Rangers since 1963. That's almost 60 years ago. I mean, that's insane. He's retiring at the end of the playoffs. He's He's probably the most um, decorated basketball announcer of all time without question on, certainly on TV. Um, you know, he, you may or may not know that he had a, a controversy involved in his life with, uh, an escapade with a, with a situation that it, it was embarrassing. Let's just say that. And, uh, you know, you're not supposed to really talk to Marv about it, but he's had a sense of humor, a somewhat of a sense of humor about it. And we, we used to kid about it, but, um, Marv Albert sounds like this, and the yes, and it counts. Oh, LeBron James, he always had that kind of voice that talked like that. And Marv always, used to have a guy named Mike Fratello who did the color, and he called he call him the Czar of the Telestrator. And he would, and Marv has that something about his voice when he says yes, and it counts. it, it it's just. There's something so sportsy about it. He was beloved as not just the basketball announcer. He also did baseball. And he also did football, obviously, many years in in the NFL. But he's probably known as well for the Ranger fans, New York Rangers, as he was as the Knicks announcer. Just an unbelievable, great broadcaster. And I'm just so privileged to to have seen so much of his career. I grew up listening to him back East and little did I know that someday I'd have my own show and he'd be a guest on it. So it was a thrill to have him on and I wish him well. And he's had an amazing story career at a hall of fame career, I might add too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember growing up with, with, you know, Mike Fratello, former coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, but our right. valbert and the czar.
2: The oh
0: God, he can't beat it. Well, Hey, that, that's actually kind of a great lead into this next question because you know, not only is Marv Albert a legend, right? You know him very well. You're, you, you sound like you're a fan of his, right?
2: Very much so. One
0: of the things we get a kick out of here is you know, we get, we have the privilege of, of interviewing folks like yourselves who are legends in their own right. You've, you've spoken to anybody and everybody in the sports world sphere, but you're also a fan, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And definitely and have definitely, to
0: be. You're a lifelong Baltimore
2: Orioles fan. Yeah. Don't d- don't grieve don't grieve for me right yeah, now. I, I won't. Hey, you know what?
0: They, they're on the, the airport trajectory. and it,
2: well, it, it may be a while for, for them to have a trajectory, I'll tell you well, that. They got beaten in <laughs> one beating today. the
0: so. AL and RBI. So, you know, it, there, there are things to, to hang your hat on. But I really specifically want to talk about your your relationship with Brooks Robinson. Because, I mean, okay. that's got to be the coolest thing ever. Growing up, a lifelong Orioles fan. One of the greatest Orioles, if not the greatest Oriole of all time. And you have this really great relationship. I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit about that
2: thanks Ryan for that first of all for those who are listening who don't know who Brooks Robinson is and probably there'll be some shame uh, on you there might be some uh look him up the greatest defensive third baseman ever in baseball history he had uh 16 consecutive gold gloves 16 in a row which has never been uh never been challenged Ozzie Smith I think is the only guy who's close anyway um I was bat boy for the Orioles when I was 15 years old in Miami, Florida, where they trained in spring training. And I did that for a couple of years. And I got to know some players and Brooks was one of the players I got to know. It's just an unbelievable guy. Also on YouTube, if people want to go take a look, I did a tribute to Brooks Robinson on Brooks Robinson day, an essay. Um, Anyway, I, I, I had a chance to get to know him over the years. And he went to the hall of fame, of course. Um, and we remain friends. In fact, I spoke to him yesterday because he just celebrated his 84th birthday. Oh, happy um, birthday Brooks. Yeah, happy birthday Brooks. But um, but one of the coolest things that ever happened in my life, it, again, you have to understand it would be compared to like Clayton Kershaw for today's generation or, or a Mookie Betts or a Mike Trout, calling you up as, as your friend and then asking you yourself, like me, would I be willing to introduce his statue that would be unveiled at Oriel Park at Camden Yards? Can you imagine? The year was 2012.
0: No, I certainly cannot. That sounds and I, I,
2: I, I, I looked at my my smartphone like, like they do in movies. You just stare at it. Like, did I really hear this? <laughs> true, true enough, uh, he had me introduce the statue. We could have had so many other players, so many other great, you know, they won two world championships and he's a hall of famer. But he wanted me because he didn't want to offend all his teammates that he could pick one or the other. So he took someone who was not a member of the team. But it was such a thrill and it was so emotional for me. And again, it's on YouTube. And uh, if people want to go to Brooks Robinson Day, Roy Firestone, they'll see it. It was emotional for me because it was like, you part of me. You mentioned before, you know, Ryan or, or Andrew must have said that I'm a fan, which I am. But I've never lost that. I've never lost the, the the charge I get out of being around these great athletes, and um, I'm not necessarily in such a place of awe that I want to ask a tough or important question, but I still I'm in awe as the as the athletes that they are. So Brooks did that, and then the most amazing thing when Frank Robinson died, the great Frank Robinson, who was a Hall of Fame slugger for the Orioles, uh, Brooks came out California to do a memorial service for him. He stayed at my house with me for a weekend. And so did Jim Palmer, the the Cy Young Award winner from the Orioles. I mean, it was like, what life is this? Who, who gets to do these kinds of things in my life? And I'll tell you, I still have the pictures of this. I still have to pinch myself, but there's part of me that wants to remain that way. If you know what I mean, Ryan, I want to be, um, Certainly not naive, but I want to be appreciative and and really be excited about the people I talk to, because I think with the excitement becomes, turns into passion and passion to do a good job in interviewing. And if you love what you're talking about, uh, there's a good chance that your interview could be something to remember as well. So I've been very fortunate in that respect. But boy, Brooks Robinson asking me to do this speech for him for his statue was, was just it was ep- epic. It, I couldn't compare it to
1: anything else.
0: Yeah, calling that a cool moment would be an understatement, I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, but Roy, I, I think we're, we're we're getting close to running out of time, but thank you so much for coming sure. on and talking. This is just so hey enlightening. Hey, man, it was
2: great to be on the walk-ons. And, I, and as I said, if I could just plug one more time, the children's book is Cope and a Boy Named Roy. You can get it at royfirestone.com. And my other book is called That's What I'm Talking About, just came out. Also RoyFyerson.com, if you want me to sign it, just buy it there. If you don't care about me signing it, you can get it at Amazon and look out for Unlikely Stories, which is probably coming and uh, all some other endeavors too. But I I wanna leave you guys with one last thing. I know you guys have great ambition to be broadcasters and uh, have podcasts of success. And I think you're on your way, but never ever forget that you are at this place somewhere in your life. And that someday someone's gonna be calling on you to do their show, and do it because you have to return the opportunities, and you have to uh, endorse other people's ambitions and dreams, and and help them on their way. I, someone did that for me, and that's why I love to come on everyone's show and and talk about my life and my career. And I'm so grateful for everything that I've ever been able to do, getting to know Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain and all these amazing Charles Barkley, all these incredible athletes that I've been around but never losing, ever losing the fan in me and a little bit of the kid in me either.
0: I love it. That's a beautiful message from a walk-on legend on your first time, Roy Firestone. Thank you so much for joining us. Maybe uh, for the for the folks at home, can you take us home with uh, the Marv Albert call as we wrap? How about up? if
2: I do it? Do you remember Keith? I'll be happy to do it, but I'll do Keith Jackson. Is, oh, give is me another.
0: Keith Jackson. Whoa, Nelly, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, hello again, everybody. This is Keith Jackson, and you're listening to the walk-ons. And ho, nelly, there's going to be a whole lot of head cracking on the football field. And yes, and diddy-doody, the college football season's about to start. And the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the roller on the right side has got hit and cracked and fumbled. Ho, nelly. That's Keith Jackson, the late, great Keith Jackson.
0: Oh, my god. Oh. we. Got- incredible we got the great Roy firestone with an epic career it's it's not over yet you are the man thank you so much for joining us roy that was so much fun thank Thank you you
2: thank you bye-bye
0: all right our thanks to roy firestone Uh, the interview was unofficially brought to you by the west coast labrador retriever rescue uh definitely check that out we want to help out any dogs that we possibly can certainly check out royfirestone.com He's got a lot of books. He's got podcasts. He's got all kinds of stuff that he plugged there and they're all fantastic stuff. So definitely get in there. But if you're going to, if you're going to do anything, definitely support the West coast Labrador retriever rescue. That's, that's what it's all about right there. But our special thanks to Roy Firestone. That was killer. Uh, Andrew, that was probably one of my favorite interviews. If not my favorite that we've had so far, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it had it all. I mean, he talked about Kobe and he was bringing up details that you're not going to hear anywhere else. I mean, he did it. He brought there's puppies. There were legitimate puppies involved. I know you guys didn't see him, but there was a puppy on the screen. And also, he signed off with an impression that was all time great. I don't even know why we're still doing a second half of the show. We should have just ended it right there. But we have more to talk about, so let's get it. I was about
0: ready to pull the plug there after uh, after the Keith Keith Jackson Wu Nelly, but the show must go on. So let's flip over to the MLB really quickly, otherwise known as Major League Baseball. I hate I hate the MLB, but. Look, a couple of big stories there. And one that I really want to get to is Tony La Russa. I mean, Tony La Russa, Hall of Fame manager. Everybody knows his sort of resume, right? And the, the guy also likes to uh, apparently imbibe and drive a, a little bit too often, almost as much as he likes to manage a, a baseball team. But, you know, the big story this week was Yerman mercedes homered on a 3-0 pitch in a blowout off of Williams, Estudio, lobbing in 47-mile-an-hour, you know, meatballs. And basically his manager just did not have his back. He said it was a problem. He said they were going to deal with it in their family. The next day, the Twins throw at Jermin Mercedes, who, by the way, is still the best hitter. He Best hitter by average in the American – no, no, in Major League Baseball. The best hitter, probably your best player right now. And LaRusse is basically just letting the other team punk him like, what are we doing here? I mean, is Tony La Russa, has he already outstayed his welcome in Chicago? Because I really think he has.
1: I think he has too. And it's like, how do you get the clubhouse back after this? I mean, it's and and like, you know, there's things going on on Twitter with like Lance Lynn. And it's just, you know, when, when he when I got the bleach report back in whenever the fall when it announced it, I thought, really, he's still even capable of managing a baseball team. And then there was the DUI thing. And he's got a problem with Mercedes in real life and Mercedes on the field, it sounds like. So um, it's just, I, it just, C.C. Zabathia said it best and he has a real shot for being dude of the week because he just said it best. He's way too old to be managing in today's baseball and he just, he just doesn't get it.
0: Yeah, if you got a problem with Uriman Mercedes, you got a problem with yourself. I mean, the dude is as exciting as they come, you know, coming into the season, the White Sox were, going to be, there. I mean, they were a popular pick in the AL to, to make the World Series, and suddenly you got this guy who's never played before. He comes in, and he hits nine for his first nine. He's exciting. He's chubby. Everything about him is just swaggy. This is a guy that you have to have his back, and La Russa didn't, and I, I agree with you. I mean, when I when I saw the news that La Russa was hired as the manager, I thought, okay, that's interesting. It's kind of a, a far reach. I, I couldn't even realize that Tony could still, you know, get through to these young players, but this is certainly a a fact and it's it's proving that he he has no idea how to deal with young players this these unwritten rules are getting out of hand and I'm sorry like we've seen this almost every night right guys are teams are getting blown out they're bringing in a a, you know a, a position player to just play out the string which is fine I get it you don't want to tax your bullpen in a blowout but if you're going to bring a guy in throwing 50 mile an hour meatballs like it's batting practice you better be expecting to get those those balls returned back into the seats. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. So Tony La Russa not taking up for his – really his best hitter right now, quote-unquote, is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Tim Anderson, star shortstop, Lucas Giolito, their best pitcher, took up and backed Mercedes earlier this week. So clearly in the clubhouse, this is a problem. Yes, the, the White Sox are in first place in the central, but – this, this is going to get worse before it gets better. And this is just the latest in Tony La Russa, just not knowing how to manage a team in 2021.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just like, I don't, I, the unwritten rules are so odd. Like he's a professional baseball player. I understand he's not a pitcher, but if he's going to go out there and throw those, like you're paid to play baseball, then and the other guy, hits a home run. It's like, he's playing baseball. What's he doing? It's just, there's so many things wrong with the optics. And yes, there's a reason we all have the same take.
0: Yeah, I have a huge problem with it i mean this is pro- this is professional baseball there's no such thing as running up the score you should you should have enough pride to just keep the score you know within 10 runs if you possibly can not to mention these guys these hitters you're, you're playing for your livelihood you know you if you go and you strike out like you might be sent down to the minors the, the next day like I'm sorry that's there's a huge problem Tony La russa has completely lost the clubhouse he's lost me. That is just it's kind of an embarrassment to the the game in general. But let's talk about another sort of downside of the game and it's Mike Trout. Mike Trout now is down I, he's six to eight weeks out with a calf strain. Um, uh, you know, the silver lining, there's still Shohei Otani out there, but you know, the the Angels swimming in mediocrity continues. And, you know, they haven't been able to get Mike Trout to the playoffs. Um, they've spent money, but they've spent money on the wrong guys. Uh, you know, is this Mike Trout injury to you, Andrew? Just another nail in this coffin or, you know, is this something that maybe the angels can fight through with, you know, riding on the back of Otani who's probably going to get hurt because of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the, you just said, you just, he's probably going to get hurt too. I mean, he got hurt last year. It's just the angels can't get out of their own way. It's just crazy because they've had some of the best baseball players ever come through there and it just doesn't matter. And it's a bummer too, because it's a market and they have an owner that like want to succeed and like be one of the, the marquee places to play in baseball. And, it's just such a bummer that we, you know, we, we, we asked Pete Rose, this, like he may not ever get to play in a world series being on that team. And that's just such a waste of a player in their career.
0: Yeah, it's a huge waste. It, it really is. I mean, there's nothing really else you can say about that. And Mike Trout, he certainly seems like a guy who's pretty loyal, right? He signed that, that long contract to stay in Anaheim and, you know, try to build that team from the ground up, so to speak. And it just hasn't worked. And this, this latest setback is just a, another nail in that coffin, but let's flip over to the NFL really quickly uh certainly the the 365 news cycle continues but this is something we've hit on before andrew i'm a little bit exhausted by it but i just i i have to discuss it because julio jones in the news again it has been reiterated in the news that they the atlanta falcons are looking to trade the best wide receiver in the nfl the teams that have been sort of pinpointed as those potential landing spots the ravens the colts the niners the chargers the patriots and the colts all right so from that group, I think without – I'm not even going to ask you if he gets dealt because I think it's going to happen, but where do you think he – where do you think is the best fit for him to end up?
1: The best fit, I mean, if, if he's going to succeed the most, would probably be with the Chargers because Justin Herbert's balling and that team is just going to be so fun. If he's there, they'd be in Los Angeles. Maybe they'd finally get a fan to begin with. But you know, San Francisco makes a lot of sense too just because – they're only a year removed from being, you know, a Super Bowl contender, and obviously too. Baltimore is really intriguing. Him and Lamar would be so much fun. I mean, you really can't go wrong. Anywhere that needs a wide receiver should be calling the, the, the Falcons. And all I can say is, thank God Julio plays for the Falcons and not the Lions, because if this was the Lions, he would have retired ten years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, something about the water there in Detroit. Look, I would love to see him on the Niners, reunite with Kyle Shanahan. That would make us. Absolutely a favorite in the NFC to make the Super Bowl once again. I think I, I think the Ravens really make the most intriguing point. I mean, certainly there's been a lot of uh, you know talk about how basically the Ravens have never drafted a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Now certainly this wouldn't be a draft, but bringing in a guy like Julio with Lamar Jackson, with Hollywood Brown on the other side, with that tight end sort of set that they have, I mean that makes the Ravens an absolutely dangerous, dangerous team. But Outside of where Julio Jones ends up, why why are the Falcons the way they are? I mean, I just don't get it. If you're going to trade Julio Jones, then go ahead and draft a quarterback. Draft your future quarterback at four. Don't draft a tight end who, for all intents and purposes, Kyle Pitts may be the best tight end, you know, in the league in two, three years. But you're drafting a rookie tight end to replace the best wide receiver in the NFL? It just doesn't compute.
1: Yeah, well, I mean I- – because the other the argument, too, that you like you could make, I'm not making it, but I'm saying I understand why they did it, is you could arguably have Kyle Pitts play some of that wide receiver type role. Yeah. And, again, you know, he was thrown around as a once-in-generational talent. So I get that, and I get, too, why they didn't draft a quarterback because of Matt Ryan's contract. It's impossible. I mean, there was discussion that the coach wanted a quarterback, or the it was either the GM or the coach wanted a quarterback. The other one wanted a skill position player. I mean, that's not even what's odd to me what's odd to me is why didn't they trade him at the draft? Cause then they could have gotten more capital and they could have like, you know, cause they were never going to get more form than that week when the teams are like ready to go. It's intriguing. I mean, it's like you said at it best, it's just the Falcons being Falcons. I mean, there's really no more explanation to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's the nucleus of a bad team, right? You said it, Andrew, when it, the GM wants one guy, the head coach wants one guy, a, a different guy and the owner wants somebody else, right? That's, that's how you build a bad team for a long, long time. So we'll we'll leave it at that. Good luck with the Falcons. I'm sorry for the Atlanta fan base, but you guys are in big, big trouble, especially if you move Julio. All right, Andrew, let's wrap this thing up. Let's go to our dudes and duds of the week. Let's start with the duds. Who's your dud, my man?
1: My dud, and I touched on it, but I wanted to save it for this portion, was the Clippers. Oh my God. Was that the most glorious tank job you've ever seen? I mean, like, you have the Oklahoma city Thunder who are doing everything in their power to lose every game possible. They said, Al Horford, go sit down. We'll, we'll pay you just to stay home. And he's like, all right, fine. They have Poku out there running the show. I mean, they're just such an abomination. And then you have the Clippers out here basically saying like, Oh, hold my beer. I'm going to make it even better. And what's so annoying to me is not that they're sitting there going with let's strategically get the best matchup for themselves. Cause I mean, Denver did it too. And like, you could make the argument for Denver, but it's different for the Clippers than Denver because the Clippers have gone out of their way to say, we're here to challenge the Lakers. We're here to take over LA. We're here to be, you know, they had the billboards, they had the Kawhi commercials. They went out of their way to say like, we're here to challenge you guys. And then they're like the guys in a bar fight who do all the barking. And then as soon as the fight's about to happen, they get behind their friend. They're like, I'm not fighting. It's just like, if you guys are serious about your attempt to become LA's premier team, you should have been like, we want the Lakers. We will do everything in our power to make sure where their, their matchup and we'll we'll take them in the first round or whenever it happens, we're here. Just tell us where to be and we'll be, we'll be there. And instead, you know, it's just, you know, they're all bark, no bite. And I, I really hope, I was hoping the Lakers lost last night simply because they'd be the eight seed. If maybe they just, ironically, the Clippers do all that, then they still somehow get on the same side of the bracket as the Clippers. It would have been such poetic justice. And I mean, they're the clippers are the clippers they're like the falcons version of the nba team you just can't get out of their own way
0: yes how very clippers of them all right my dad is huascar inoa he's a uber talented right-hander for the braves he had a rough outing last week on sunday then of course after the outing he proceeded to punch the dugout wall broke his pitching, pitching hand he's now out for a couple of months also, a special disclaimer to our producer, Seamus uh, Noah is on his uh, his fantasy team, so that that especially hurts, and that's why I made it into the show today. But the bigger issue here for me is I don't know what it is with guys who don't want to protect the moneymaker, right? You got Noah That also follows up the A's pitcher, Jesus Lazardo, who broke his hand, and he's on the IL currently after breaking his hand playing video games. I mean, listen, if you're a soccer player, don't mess with your right foot, Right. If you're a singer, don't mess with the vocal cords. If you're an actor, don't mess with the face. If you're a pitcher, do not mess with your pitching hand. Do not punch a, a concrete wall, even if you've had a ba- I don't care if you gave up 10 runs and didn't get a single out in the inning. Protect the moneymaker. You guys are morons. Even in the heat of moment, you, you just can't do it. So, heck, Huascar Inoa, RIP, my dude. I'm sorry that you're not on our, our producer Seamus' uh, fantasy team anymore. He had to let you go, but – it just doesn't make sense to me. Guys need to protect their moneymaker. You you need to know what you're doing. Yeah, All right, Andrew, you got a dude?
1: Well, I don't have a dude. I have a dudette um, because history was made this week with Kelly Klein, who was hired to be the Broncos Executive Director of Football Operations. I know I'm a Broncos fan, but like you, you have to pick her this week because she's going to be the de facto number two to the general manager there, making her the most senior female scouting executive in NFL history. And she will be a GM one day. It's not a question of if. Question of when. So good on her, good on the Broncos, good on the NFL for finally getting some female representation. And I can't wait to see what she brings. I'm really excited to be a part of the team that hired her. So yeah. Or not a part of the team, a fan of the team. Shut up, Brian.
0: I love it. <laughs> oh boy. Wow, the, the preemptive shut up. I didn't even speak yet. All Did right. My of the week.
1: The was coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, give me a lot of credit. Look, my dude of the week, Kevin Pilar. Uh if you haven't seen it, maybe don't look at it because it is something to see, especially if you're putting that that full volume up. My dude ate a 94 mile an hour heater right to his nose. If you saw it live, I mean, it was like a, a bad UFC fight. The, the dude was just bleeding profusely from his nose. But the reason why he's my dude of the week, not only just taking that, he walked right off the field. He showed up the next day and asked if he was in the lineup. And he did a, a press conference. I don't know why you're gonna make a guy who basically his entire face is broken to a press conference, but he basically just said he was wondering why he wasn't in the lineup. Said he felt fine. Said he felt great. <laughs> Even the Mets pitcher uh, Marcus Stroman tweeted about to get my man the Rip Hamilton face mask for future competition. LOL. KP is a legend. Yeah, Kevin Pillar is not just a legend. He's a warrior. He's a gamer. He's a killer. Anytime. I mean, shoot, I, I'll I'll eat like a you know uh a goldfish that my wife throws across the the living room and uh, I'll be out for a week or two. So Kevin Pillar wants to get back in the lineup. He looks great. That face is just gnarled up, but anytime you eat a 90 plus mile an hour fastball to the face and you want to get in the lineup the next day. Yeah. You're the dude of the week every
1: week. Wait. So who do you think had it worse? Who do you think like has more facial damage him or LeBron from LeBron getting just utterly destroyed last night, right? And
0: that's a really good question. I pray for LeBron. I, I was kind of looking at the hospital notes to see if he if he made it to the hospital, because you know certainly Draymond Green must have poked one of his eyes out and probably broke his nose and maybe broke his orbital bone. I mean, it, poor LeBron, uh, he seemed like he was probably a UFC fighter who had just taken a beating of a lifetime. I, I pray for that guy.
1: I really well, he didn't get elbowed by a ghost. I don't know if he saw that. He was like, I got elbowed in the replay. There was no one there. So, hey, you know, there, there's no
0: more dangerous elbow than the one that does not hit you that, that one hurts it hurts
1: it, yeah but you know at the same time he's getting the last laugh he did hit a dagger three and so lucky you know, lucky yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aiming for the one in the middle I
0: don't care if you're seeing 51 it'd have to be 51 just aim for the one in the middle always LeBron but you know get on you you got the W stop crying I'm sick of it all right that's it for the walk-ons Thursday May 20th our thanks to Roy Firestone as always that was a killer interview Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. The Walk Ons.